0: Well, I know you're tired. I know it's been a long semester. And I know there's still a lot of work yet to do in these last few weeks. But thank you for um, not only joining us today in worship, but thank you for the way you have worshipped throughout this semester and school year. Thank you for the reverence and respect you have shown for chapel speakers, whether you appreciated what they had to say or not. Um, you demonstrated reverence and respect, and I'm grateful and thankful for that. And today, as we begin this uh, We're in the middle of Holy Week. Holy Week is the last week in the Lenten journey uh, that takes us into Easter. And as I've expressed, I think every Holy Week that I preach, I have to speak on Wednesday of Holy Week. I don't get to speak on Monday, Thursday, uh, tomorrow, where um, often the text focuses on Jesus in the garden or Good Friday um, or even Easter Sunday anymore. And I really do miss that. Um, So I get the midweek Wednesday texts. uh, And today will be found in John chapter 17. And uh, knowing that you're tired, knowing that it's been a long semester, knowing that, uh, you know, there are many things to do, I want to encourage you today that because you came here today, I will be able to tell you what the purpose of your life is. Uh, I will tell you the will of God for your life today, so be thankful in advance. Uh, You now will know everything you need to know about the rest of your life. Um, But we'll get to that. so I'm going to be reading in John chapter 17, but let, let me begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege and blessing it is to be a part of this community. Thank you for the privilege and blessing it is to gather in your name to worship you. May we never forget that there is a Redeemer, your very own Son. Thank you that your Spirit is now with us, giving us strength and energy and peace for all that you've called us to do and be. So we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you not only be with us in this hour, but I pray for each student as they conclude this school year and maybe conclude their college career in these next couple weeks. By the power of your Spirit, will you strengthen them? Will you give them a peace? Give them insight. Give them discipline of mind and body and uh, your blessing upon them, we pray. Now speak to us through your word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So we're at Wednesday, we're not yet at Thursday, we're at Wednesday, and I, I never get to play that poem, a, a beautiful, I guess it would be called a poem, called that I used to play every Good Friday service, a little video I would show called, It's Friday, but Sunday's Coming. Uh, and though the, dark, the day is dark and Jesus is on the cross and, and has died, we know that it is a dark day, but Sunday is coming. But I can't preach that because it's Wednesday and Thursday's coming. I don't know what to say other than that. But before Jesus enters the garden, before they cross the Kidron Valley and go into the garden to pray, before Jesus is betrayed by Judas, Judas has already left uh, in John's Gospel, in John 13, and then Jesus takes the next few chapters to give some final teaching moments to the disciples, some lessons he wants to depart, he wants to give them. And as we begin chapter 17, I think it's important for us to understand that Jesus in many respects, is saying in regards to his teaching of the disciples, in regards to preparing them, it's now complete. I've done, Father, what you have called me to do, to prepare these you have given to me. It's, it's now done. And so we're going to begin this prayer as Jesus lifts his eyes to heaven and, and prays to the Father. We'll be talking about the whole verse, but we'll be reading, looking at just the first uh, 11 verses. I'll read just the 11 verses. Will you please stand for the Gospel reading this morning? So again, please keep in mind that as we read what Jesus must be thinking and feeling, um, what lies ahead of him, for he knows what the days ahead have in store for him. And yet at the same time, in the beginning of this passage, he prays for himself a little, but then the rest of the chapter he prays for his disciples and he prays for the church. So even before the cross, even though he knows Judas is on the way to betray him, he prays for his disciples, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 17. And have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. So I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. For I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. The Gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. So we have this intimate prayer going on between Jesus and the Father. Uh, Jesus, much like the Jewish tradition, would be praying aloud. We see, as I said, at the beginning of chapter 17, he's concluded his teaching now, and now he's going to pray to the Father. and, And the disciples and those around are hearing this prayer. It is an intimate prayer, but the disciples are listening in, if you will. And Jesus is saying, my teaching is complete. Everything that I have taught them, everything that they have seen, everything that they have witnessed, it is enough. And not only is Jesus praying for the disciples in this moment, but he's praying for all future disciples as well. So he's praying for you, and he's praying for me. He's praying for his church, and what he wants the church to become and look like, to be one. Yes, Jesus has taught us enough. We still will have a lot of questions and answers. Why didn't Jesus talk about this? Why didn't Jesus bring clarity to this topic or this issue? You know, life would be a lot easier if Jesus just would have said a few verses on this. And maybe part of our spiritual journey is, is in wrestling with the text, is in wrestling what does Jesus want from us? What does Jesus think? What, how does Jesus want us to live? But we know from the Gospels, and as, John, as Jesus is telling us here in John's Gospel, I have given them your word. Jesus really has given us enough. We have all that we need to have that relationship with the Father through the Son. And so Jesus is saying, I have honored you, I have glorified you while I have been here on earth. Now glorify me in your presence. The central purpose to Jesus' coming, the central purpose of Jesus was to glorify the Father. Jesus came to glorify the Father by imparting life to men, by providing salvation, by providing a way for us to be united with the Father. And Jesus is about to complete that task as he moves to the cross, just a few hours from from this time. Jesus has taught us enough. He has demonstrated enough. He has provided eternal life, which as he says in verse 3, is a relationship with the Father through the Son. Jesus will provide a way for you to have a relationship with the Father And it's through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus has talked about that. Now he's going to make a way through the cross. So in this chapter 17 of John's Gospel, we see Jesus praying for himself in these first few verses. Then he prays for his disciples. And then he prays for the community. He prays for the church that is to come. He has been faithful. He has taught us enough. And as we move into verse 9, we see here is where Jesus begins in the chapter to shift, to begin to pray for the disciples and for the church and the, for the future that is to come. He is no longer going to be with him. God will send another. God will send the Holy Spirit. And as we already sang today, leave his spirit on earth till he returns. But in the meantime, he prays for his disciples. The Westminster Catechism, maybe some of you have, re, have recited it in your own church, begins with a question. What is the chief end of man? Men and women, let us say. What is the chief end? The chief end is to glorify God (laughs) and to enjoy Him forever. The chief end of our lives is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. I'd like to let you know that that, I believe, is the purpose for your life. That is the will of God for your life, to glorify God, to glorify Christ in your life. And in glorifying the Son, you glorify the Father. As you worship the Son, you worship the Father. As you serve in Jesus' name, you serve the Father. That is the chief end in life. That is our chief end, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. When we glorify God, when we glorify the Son, we glorify the Father. For as Jesus says in verse 10, all mine are yours and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. 1 Peter talks about this in 4.11. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength of God that God supplies, in order that everything, God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. The words that we speak, the way that we serve, that glorifies God through his Son, Jesus Christ. So I guess the question is, are you glorifying God with your life? Are you glorifying God with your life? If that is the purpose of your life, it's a decision that only you can make and maybe your parents have directed you in a way that you would live to serve and follow God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Or maybe you didn't come from such a home, a a background, a, a faith of that way where you seek to glorify God through His Son, Jesus Christ. But I do believe, we do believe that is the purpose, that is the end, that is the direction, that is the will of God for our lives to glorify Him. So are you glorifying God with your life? Are you glorifying him in big and small ways? If Jesus' last prayer before he goes to the garden, if his last prayer is for you and for me, for his disciples, not just the disciples here, not just the eleven, but for all of us and all to come, if his prayer for us is that God be glorified in us, I have to ask you the question, are you allowing God to be glorified in your life? Jesus has prayed for you. He has interceded with a Father for you. Yes, we have salvation through Christ, but we also have Jesus praying for us saying, be glorified, allow God to be glorified in your life. I'm still learning what this means. This is a journey. I'm still learning as I grow in my walk and as I come to different stages in my life, whether that's in marriage or parenting, what does it mean? What does it look, to, what does it look like to glorify God as a parent? What does it look to, like to glorify God as a, a father, as a chaplain? What does it look like to glorify God in all these things? So what is it going to look like for you graduates as you leave? What will it look like for you to glorify God? Whether you're going to be a teacher or a scientist or a businesswoman or man, what will it look like for you? Will you glorify God? That's Jesus' prayer for you before he goes to the cross. I know we quickly jump to Holy Week, to to the garden, but before Jesus goes to the garden, this is his prayer for you. That you will glorify him that you will glorify the Father through the Son. So will you do that? And what will that look like for you? Do you glorify God in your friendships? Do you glorify God in the words that you speak to one another? Do you glorify God in your dating relationships? Do you glorify God in the way you care for the poor, the sick, the needy, the homeless, the imprisoned? Do you glorify God with your life? Those that are graduating, I'm guessing wherever you work or wherever you choose to go, I'm guessing on Wednesdays and Friday mornings between 10.25 and 11.15, I'm guessing chapel will not be required. I'm so thankful no one said amen, glory to God. I was a little worried. I thought for a moment that would happen. I hope that we as a community, I hope that Eastern Nazarene Colleges has glorified God in your eyes. I hope that you have seen it, whether it's working with the Office of Spiritual Development or gathering here for chapel or working with open hand, open heart or working for the Center of Responsibility and Justice or what does it mean to be a a Christian businesswoman or man? What does it mean to be in the criminal justice field and care for those who are in prison and also be a person of justice? What does that mean? I hope that we have modeled what it looks like to glorify God for you. Chapel will no longer be required once you graduate. The decision will be up to you. Will you glorify God with your life? Maybe one of the reasons I wrestled so much with this text, I shared it a little bit in summer ministry team practice last night, I was just wrestling so much because this is, I think, our prayer for you as well. That maybe as you look back, there is something that we have demonstrated. There is something that we lived out. That there was something in the way that we interacted and worked together. That there was something in the way that we invested in your lives. That there was something in the call that your professors and the staff at this school have on their lives to invest in you. There's something in that that maybe spoke to you, though you maybe can't articulate it. There's something in the way the coaches have invested in your life and have fought for you, not only on the court and in the fields, but in the classroom and tried to help you and support you. I hope in all of these things we have glorified God. So that wherever God may lead you, you will choose to glorify God as well. Yes, Jesus has prayed for you. And we pray for you too. That as you leave this community, you will choose to glorify God. We then see that Jesus, beginning in verse 10 and 11, he then prays for the community. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. I am coming to you. Holy Father, Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. So he has prayed for you individually, but he also prays for you corporately. He calls us to be one. He calls us to be united in the faith. Christian brothers and sisters, united together. Not only is the purpose of your life to glorify God, but the purpose of the Christian community, the purpose of the church, the purpose of the body of Christ is to glorify God. And I would say the purpose of any Christian community, whether it's a church or an institution of higher ed, its purpose is to glorify God. And Jesus says, before he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, before he goes to the cross, make them one. Make them united. Do not allow division to come between them. Naturally, I think of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 2 through 5. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, who is over all and through all and in all, our God and Father of all. We are called to be one. I pray that you glorify God with your life, but I pray that you also find a community of faith that glorifies God. I pray that you find a church community with all its flaws and shortcomings. I pray that you find a community of faith that glorifies God as Jesus is praying for you in this text. Be part of a community, a Christian community of faith. Learn what it means to be part of that community. Learning to work together and live together and serve together. Recognizing other people's strengths and not first noticing their weaknesses. Last night in our summer ministries meeting, we were just talking about some of the reasoning behind some of the things I do, which I know is strange. To, to many things I do is strange. I get that. But one of the real important things I've come to understand, maybe even more while being here, is how important it is that we learn to work together. How important it is that chapel teams and summer ministry teams learn to work together and how we learn to work through our differences and, and what, does it mean? what does it mean to glorify God when we have disagreements? What does that look like? Are we willing to go to the other person and confront? Are we willing to work through these things and, and try to decide and discern? What is God trying to teach us in this moment? See, I think God wants to teach us and shape us and form us in the midst of our disagreements. But instead we allow things like that to separate us and break us apart. It happens in worship teams in churches. It happens on church boards. It happens in Christian communities. It can even happen at Christian colleges. And yet Jesus still says, please, Lord, let them be one. That doesn't mean that we'll always agree, but I think the Lord wants to shape us and mold us into his image, and we often miss or dismiss those moments that he wants to shape us and mold us and form us into his image in the midst of great trials in the midst of disagreement, in the midst of struggles and wrestling over what is God calling this community to do and be? What is God calling this church to be? What is God calling this worship team and this church to be or this board or this leadership? And in the midst of that, God wants to shape you and form you. And will you glorify God in those moments? Will you move in the direction of, yes, Lord, whatever it takes, I will be a person that will help this community be one. I will let go what you want me to let go of. I will release and lay down what you want me to lay down. Will you glorify God in your life? And will you be part of a community of faith? Will you be part of a church that glorifies God? That is my prayer for you. That you will choose to glorify God with your life and that you will choose to glorify God in community where he calls us to be one. Will you be willing to apologize when you make a mistake? Will you be willing to go to another and say, I am sorry I have said that or did that? Will you choose to be silent when you have nothing positive to say? Words can destroy us, or they can build us up. Will you be willing to apologize so that the community might be one? Maybe I being a chaplain and a pastor for eight years, maybe I know, I know I get it. I I know I focus on the church a lot. I, I, I know I hit you with that a lot. I, I get it. But that's Jesus' prayer for you, that you will glorify him and that you will be part of a community of faith that glorifies him. That's what Jesus is calling you to do and to be, and so I can't help but as you... As you leave and you have these decisions to make, oh, my prayer for you, I think I can say our prayer for you is that you glorify God with your life and that you be part of a community of faith that glorifies God. Will you be faithful in the small things? Will you be faithful in your words and actions? Not allowing bitterness to settle in your hearts? It's not about self-promotion, but it's about glorification. It's about glorifying God. It's very easy to do all the right things for all the wrong reasons. It's very easy, even in churches, even in Christian communities, to maneuver for power, to maneuver for an agenda, to maneuver or scheme, and to manipulate, to, to uh, take advantage of. It's very easy to do, even within Christian communities. Is that the way you're going to live? Is that the way that you will be in your relationships, wherever God calls you to? Or will you say, Lord, I want to glorify you. I want to glorify you in my home, in my marriage, in my relationships, in my singleness. I want to glorify you in my church. How will you choose to live? If you don't listen to my words, will you just hear this prayer of Jesus as he prays for you? He prays for you that you will glorify Him. And when you glorify Him, you glorify the Father. And that you be part of a church community that glorifies Him. Our churches must be unified. We must be one. And I know that's a big issue. That is a big topic with so many different denominations and traditions, but never forget that we are one, brothers and sisters in Christ. So what can you do to make sure that happens? Are you going to go and leave this community and be part of the solution or will you just add to the problem? Will you be one that causes division or will you be one that causes unity? A good way to know to kind of test yourself is think over the last few weeks or months, think over the last semester or your years here. Maybe in prayer you can ask the Lord this, for him, I mean it's a bold prayer, so I warn you in advance. Lord, will you just reveal to me or remind me of things that I did that caused division? It's a, it's a dangerous prayer, so I, I, don't, I don't say that to you lightly. Will you reveal to me, Lord, things that I've done to hurt another? Will you remind me, Lord, of times my words hurt another person, whether to their face or whether behind their back? I guess one way you can, you can look at this is, how will you be in the future? Well, see how you've been in the past. And if you're bold enough to pray that prayer, if you're bold enough to say, Lord, please reveal to me anything that does not bring about unity. Please reveal to me anything in my life that does not glorify you. I believe the Lord will answer that prayer. And then what are you going to do about it? I challenged our chapel teams at the beginning of the school year. I said, I do not want you to stand before this community of faith and this academic community. I don't want you to lead them in worship if you're just going to demonstrate Christ or if you're just going to sing the right words but then not live them out in this community. For that is hypocrisy, and God can't honor that. And I don't ever want to stand before you and and just on Wednesday or on Friday and preach the word and open God's word where I have not really been a good husband or I have spoken harsh words to my wife or I haven't uh, been kind to someone. For that is hypocrisy as well. And that does not bring about unity. This past... uh, My wife is visiting a family in, in my family in New York with our children, so I'll use this illustration with her in it since she's not here. Don't worry, I'm the one that was wrong, as usual. I don't like to travel. I especially hate Interstate 95. Uh, you need real spiritual gifts uh, to travel 95. You need a special anointing of the Lord, of which I do not have. And I need to admit, I am not the best person to travel with, especially with their children in the back. And I thought for sure, if we get the minivan with the movies, you know, you put in the DVD, all would be well and God would heal me. The kids watched 10 to 12 movies by the time we went, which should have been a three-hour drive, which ended up being a six-hour drive, which means we missed the ferry to Long Island, which means we were late for memorial service of why we were going to New York this weekend. T- to, for the memorial service for the young man I spoke about a few weeks ago, who's 20, 27 years old and passed away. And it was so important for me to be there on time. It was real important for me to be there on time because... I remember when my best friend passed away, I sat on this very platform and I saw friends from work that I worked with several years ago. They just slipped in the back and they left. I didn't even have a conversation with them, but to see them actually there was, such, was the greatest thing they could ever give me. So it was very important to me and to Edie that we arrive on time, even if we didn't get to talk to the family, that we, they would know we were there and we were late. And we had to sit in the very back, almost in the foyer, and it was raining and... I just need to be honest and confess I was a I was a horrible husband that day. I was not nice to be around. I mean I didn't say any real harsh words. I just wasn't pleasant. And I left the next morning and keeping with the weekend theme I missed two ferries because I thought it left one the second one left at noon and left anyway. So I missed my train out of Bridgeport so I had to get the bus. So it took me 15 hours to get back on Sunday, and I'm on the Greyhound bus, and I couldn't get the express. There is no express from Bridgeport to Boston, so it means I had to stop in New London and New Haven and Foxwoods and uh, what's the other, Mohegan Sun. And so I spent a couple hours at the Mohegan Sun and just gambled a little, and then I got back on the bus. and I am kidding. And I couldn't. I had all my notes, and I had this text, and I was working on memorizing and it, and I just couldn't and I was so frustrated and I realized it was me that was causing the problem that I couldn't open God's word and prepare to stand before you unless I confess my sins to the Lord for one for my attitude and my actions and my spirit and I couldn't open God's word I believe and prepare a message to stand before you anyway I could open God's word even in our sin you can always open God's word and it will speak to you But please understand, I'm talking about as I prepare to stand before you. It's a little different. I could not prepare and open God's word and prepare this message to stand before you unless I also apologize to my wife. And so I see Jesus pleading with this intimate prayer to the Father. Oh, Father, please, please let them glorify you. Allow them to glorify you in the big and small ways. May they be faithful in doing so. And those moments where we stumble along the way, like I did, thanks to I-95, and those moments where we stumble along the way, the Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will reveal those moments to you. Will reveal, this is not glorifying to me. This is not honoring to me. The Lord will reveal that to you. So you can ask for forgiveness because of what Christ is about to do on the cross. And you can ask forgiveness maybe to your own spouse or friend. So I challenge you, think about it as you go and maybe it'll come to mind this week. Will you pray that prayer? Lord, have I said anything to a fellow classmate? Especially someone I think has played a trick on me, Rick. I think. The clock that I'm looking at right now says 11.20. Is that accurate? What time is it? (laughs) Who moved the clock forward 15 or 20 minutes? Come on. Who wanted to get out of chapel early? Just confess it now. I've just talked about confession. Let's just take this moment and publicly confess that, yes, I moved the clock forward 15 minutes to get out of chapel early. It was Pastor Kevin. Pastor Kevin Dunlop has confessed his his sin. My train of thought. <laughs> uh, forgiveness. Allowing God to glorify you if there's to be glorified in your life. Before I left my senior year, there was a huge fight between some friends. Big fight. I mean, it wasn't physical, but it was one of those, you know. Knock down, drag out. Dear friends. And one friend and I just decided we were no longer going to be friends. I mean, it was that that's what we said to each other. She said it to me. I said it to her. It was over. And then three years ago at the funeral I just mentioned, we realized how foolish that was. We realized the years wasted over pettiness. Is there anyone before you leave this community that you need to be reconciled with? Is there anyone that you need to maybe ask for their forgiveness? Or maybe is there anyone that you need to forgive or accept their forgiveness? I went on in life after we decided we'd no longer be friends. I went to seminary, was preparing for seminary, and I believe that's what the Lord had called me to do. I don't think I was living in this complete rejection or rebellion against God. I believe I was faithfully serving and following. But as I talk about this prayer that I want you to pray or challenge you to pray, Lord, is there anything in my life, I don't specifically remember it in that moment, but I do realize the Lord brought me to a point where he said, Corey, do you remember this? Do you remember this? this several years ago it's not hindered you walk with me to this point it's not prevented me from blessing you and leading you and guiding you but this is something that isn't glorifying me in your life be reconciled so before we go our separate ways and especially our graduates is there anyone that you need to be reconciled with and allow God to be glorified through your friendship allow God to be glorified through your reconciliation and as Jesus says make them one even as we are one. Jesus is calling us to be one with one another in the same way that Jesus is with the Father. So in many ways, this is Jesus' farewell prayer for his disciples. He would pray again in the garden and on the cross. We know that. But this is really his farewell prayer as he, for his disciples and for his followers in the Christian community as he gets ready to be, receive the kiss of betrayal from Judas. And his prayer for you is, Be one. Be united. Allow your life to glorify God. The purpose of your life and the purpose of the church is to glorify God through the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our prayer for you is that you will glorify God in all that you do. Our prayer for you is that you will glorify God and be part of a community, a Christian community of faith that glorifies God. And we will give, all, we will give God all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. Amen. Will you please stand for prayer? I guess it's not a prayer I can pray for all of us, Lord. I guess it is a prayer we each need to pray individually. At least I'm feeling that way this morning. That if there be any wicked way in us, search us, O God, and know our hearts. Search us, O God, and know our hearts. See if there be any wicked way in us. See if there be any resentment. See if there be any bitterness. See if there be any anger. And then by the power of your Holy Spirit, will you make us one? Will you give us the strength and the words to maybe ask forgiveness? To maybe finally accept um, or be reconciled with the friendship that has been broken. If there have been words that we've spoken, Lord, that are not of you, that did not glorify you, will you reveal those to me, Lord? Reveal my words to me, Lord, that I might be reconciled and might be one. Make us one, we pray, Lord. May we glorify you with all our lives, and may we be part of a community that glorifies you. May we make decisions in life to do so. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Go in peace. You are dismissed.